Hello and welcome to The Ravens, a movie and TV podcast. I'm Dom. And I'm Simon. And tonight's movie for debate is... Miracle 34th Street. <laughs> so welcome to The Ravens, a movie and TV show podcast where it's always 10.30 at night. It's time to grab the snacks from the sweet cupboard, move on upstairs and settle in as tonight's movie for debate is Miracle on 34th Street, a Christmas classic. Simon, my friend, welcome. I did the intro. You were kind enough to let me do it. Um, you do often offer to let me do it, and I say no because you do it so beautifully. But how are you, my friend? I am wonderful. You did do it beautifully, and it's a pleasure and honour to see you as always. How are you, my man? Uh, yeah, good. I'm well. Um, had a nice Christmas. Have you had a nice Christmas? Lovely Christmas. So it's... For those of you listening, it's four days after Christmas. I don't even know. Three days after 28. Christmas. Yeah, so it's yeah. It's, it's, but it is that period between Christmas and New Year where everyone, us included, just forgets what day it is because you've eaten too much. It's Christmas Day and then you're not working. Sometimes you kind of are working, but even if you are working, you're not really working because you're like, it's Christmas still. Exactly. New Year's around the corner. We'll see Jules, Jules, Jules. Is it Jules Holland's who and Annie? Jules Holland, and I cannot stand Jules Holland. I think you could blatantly could do a wonderful impression of him, though. <laughs> I need to practice. Right, he's got a really irritating voice. <laughs> he's really annoying. <laughs> I find him really annoying. He is annoying, yeah. but there's always good music on there true that is true they've got good people on there and it's live and it's it's good to see it's good like live acts anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about then you're not from the uk (laughs) but but it's basically like the uk's version i guess of well it's not like dropping the ball in times square but it's like our it's on every new year's it's like a new year's party with live music that's in like a tv studio and they'll have someone like gary barlow there or (laughs) ed sheeran there or whoever but, I mean, since um, F and I have had Luna, and especially now that we have our son, like every New Year's is we, you know, drink champagne at home, which, I mean, I know you're thinking, Dom, isn't that just Monday nights? But, you know, it's the... And we love it, though. Like, this is the best way to do New Year's. I'm telling you, like, all of them wasted years of cramped, bars and pubs and trying to do this that and the other it's always a disappointment it's always a letdown just new year's at home i mean i haven't asked you but i know you that is your vibe come on tell me that's your vibe (laughs) of course it is i hate going anywhere on new year's eve i i used to actually make sure i was working new year's eve and new year's day um because uh one used to get paid more uh, to, to work those days too I quite often had a lot to do on those days because there's a lot of like promotional changes and stuff like that um, but also they were quiet and I liked working them I didn't like going out uh, I used to when I was younger you know like 18 to kind of let's say 25 used to go out and go to the pub and you couldn't move and it was horrible and um, just full of idiots and yeah just not anything I've ever 
ever enjoyed doing. So, yeah, made that conscious decision that I would forever be at home because I would mostly be working both days, but that wouldn't ever bother me. I, I, I hate, you know, hated seeing in the new year in a shitty pub. With sticky floors. Yeah. I And I just noticed that you said a conscious decision, which our good friend, shared good friend Eckhart Tolle would say that you became conscious of your <laughs> unconscious self. Am yeah. I right? Yeah, well, I, I suppose so. Um, but it was it was always a case of wanting to to go out to fit in, I guess, and still be part of the crowd and be part of that friendship group rather than just go, I'm going to stay at home, I'll see you on another day. Well, you know what's right there, that frontal lobe, baby. <laughs> I'm guessing it's there. I'm pointing at my forehead. Where is it? Somewhere. That develops. I don't need to do things to impress other people. I don't need external validation or take the validation from within. An awakening is happening. Dom, speaking of awakenings, Christmas classics. This was your choice. The family man that we covered on our last episode for Christmas was also your choice. But this one, like a more passionate plea from from the fences. Please, can we do Miracle on 34th Street? Because this is a, a favourite for you. 1994, I believe. Correct. Tell us your history with it. Tell us why this one's so special. When did you first see it? Let me do a prediction. I can't remember when I saw it. don't know if I saw it in the cinema. I didn't watch it with you, so I'm actually not sure. But I like it. Thanks, Dom. <laughs> Thanks for your insight. And what about you, Simon? Where did you... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I remember watching this at home. Uh, the first time I saw this was at, was at home. We had it on video. Um, and I used to watch it with my mum. And it would be watching it like every Christmas, every December. So as soon as we crossed that threshold from November into December, it was okay, like Christmas films can be watched. And the the good thing about uh, the good thing about my mom is that she would always like want to watch them and like be like encourage it as well. Um, and Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street was one of her favorite films. Um, still now, um, you know, to watch her at Christmas, and it's it's become one of mine and and has been ever since nineteen ninety four. You know, so like would have been about ninety five. Probably watched it the first time, and yeah. I just appreciate it as a as a great as a great film. I've sadly never seen the original um, because this is a, a remake, but I, I just really enjoy this film um, and always have. I think it's great. There's there's um, whimsy and a, a bit of magic <laughs> and a bit of reality and yeah, it's got it's got something for everyone. I think this film. I was a, it was a little bit sad that that more people didn't join our watch along to watch it with us but i understand it's a long film people might not be keen on it and people are here for the one tree hill they're not necessarily here for the films but i love doing the films i love talking about them because you know that's that's what that's where it began for us that's the way it started in the films isn't it it's the roots it's the roots of what we've what we wanted to do and what we wanted to talk about and then it evolved um and yeah i mean i love everything we talk about but mostly because i get to talk about it with you um oh, that's sweet but moving and on I you but thank you but but moving on from my history with it what's your history with it do you have a history with this film well i have a short history but before i get there also just to add on to that sentiment is that one tree hill won't last forever like we love one tree hill 
or I do, and Dom's a new watcher. We know that. We're almost in the Sith season. Come on, catch on. But <laughs> it won't last forever. We have three seasons left. Um, Wait, four, actually. Six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, four left. <laughs> Quick maths. But it will be over. But movies are something that, you know, we hope to continue to do all the way through. And, and you know, when we select another show, which... Um, I'm pretty sure we said it's going to be lost. I'm pretty sure you said it's going to be lost, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, movies are important, but I actually think not as many people joined for the watch along because it was an hour earlier. And so with the time difference, you know, because most of our listeners are over in North America. But, hey, even if no one joined the watch along and it was just me and Dom or, you know, just me, Dom and Cat, because if Cat ever misses a watch along It's over. It's over. Oh, yeah, it's, it's over. over yeah. It's over. Yeah. Uh so you know, it is surreal that people watch stuff with us and yeah, it's lovely. My my history with the film I don't think I'd seen it all the way through since when we watched it the wow. other day. I'd seen it on TV when I was a kid and instantly like remember recognizing Mara Wilson from Mrs. Doubtfire, Matilda. And yeah, I sort of remember bits of the court case at the end, particularly when the reindeer comes into, into the court, but I don't think I ever saw it all the way through just on TV and yeah, I, maybe I saw a bit more of it on TV, maybe like 10 years ago, but still not from like opening credits to closing credits. And then watching it where we watched it last week, I really enjoyed it, really enjoyed it. And I mean, I'm looking forward to your impression of Myra Wilson. That <laughs> is definitely going to have to happen. In fact, can I get a taste? Um, I'm trying to think of a line from the film. Hey, you stupid jerk. <laughs> Mr. Kringle's the nicest man in the whole world. He never hurt anybody. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and it's got a wonderful cast. I mean, obviously, it's got um, uh, David Attenborough. Richard. 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 Richard Attenborough. Richard. Apologies. It's got Richard Attenborough in who I would recognise at that point from Jurassic Park. It had, or has, um, is it Dylan McDermott? Correct, yeah. Uh, who Ethany is, like, obsessed with. <laughs> it has Dexter's dad in it. Yeah, James Remar. And others. It's got loads of others, uh, like J.T. Walsh, Elizabeth Perkins, um... Obviously, Mara Wilson, we've mentioned, and like a whole handful of others, like Robert uh, Prosky, um, William Win- William Wyndham, uh, Jane Leaves, is it, who's in Frasier? Um, oh, yes. Is yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just, yeah, there's just like loads of others that uh, pop in and out every now and then. Well, do you want to walk us through? How do you want to do it? Should we do it sort of act by act again, like we did with Family Man? Yeah, we do it act by act, like where we start off and and who we meet and and kind of where we go from there, basically. So we can start at the top and work our way through. Shall, shall I do the synopsis? Yeah, I think you should. I think it'd be that great. was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> no chance. He's got way too Not much wine I'm... to do the synopsis. <laughs> Not when. 
We have a professional synopsizer in you, my friend. No one even touches the sides compared to you. Come on. Do you reckon I could put that on LinkedIn? Professional synopsizer. I think you should. <laughs> I think you should. Would, would you ever be... Well, no, you wouldn't. This is a tangent. I was going to say, would you ever be tempted to put professional podcaster? And what do you... What do you think classifies as professional? Because we get paid. I mean, it's true. We have Patreon members. Thank you very much. We appreciate, appreciate you. Thanks so you much. All. Um, but you know, I mean, it's not like it's our full-time job. It's a hobby. But technically, I think that is the definition of professional, right? If someone is willing to pay for your services. Yeah, I suppose so. And we had advertising at one point. <laughs> So, you know. Contract is still available if anybody is interested. It's still open to offers. We're not tied down to one thing. So, you know, just anyone. Manscaped, we'll do that again, you know. We'll come. Green Chef. I mean, we'll we'll do other things. Nike, Adidas, <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts, Apple. Starbucks. Apple, yeah. I mean, we're recording via... Apple, you know, equipment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a free plug. Feel free to send us a plug. Um, Spotify, if you're interested in picking us up, giving us an office, the equipment, a crew, whatever. Whatever. Editor. Even then. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need them. We save some money there. (laughs) But yeah. But would you consider yourself professional? No, let's go semi-pro. We're semi-pro. Okay. Semi pro is okay. okay. We're like semi pro. We're like non league footballers, aren't we? Yeah. So that they're, they're they're semi they get paid for it, but they're not like they've got to have another job. So semi- they have a day job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. semi pro. But they're always just one potential podcast or free kick away from making a highlight reel and being pulled up to the Premiership. That's it. Getting into the big leagues. <laughs> Well, speaking of the big leagues and this being a big classic Christmas movie, tell us about where we begin, my friend. Well, we start off at the Coles Christmas Parade. So let's lay the scene a little bit. Coles is going into a little bit of financial trouble and they've got to make it out of Christmas with a bit of profit or we're going to have to start looking at closures. We have to start looking at closing down. And Coles is built up to be this like big massive you know um kind of family name particularly in new york where we're set and um there's another store shoppers express that's going to buy it out they're going to buy out coals and they're going to turn it to rubble basically they're going to get rid of it maybe use the infrastructure to turn it into their own stores but yeah that's that's the plan and shoppers express is supposed to be this big global brand not like kind of family friendly that you'd expect but Coles are, you know, the main sponsor for this parade or, you know, got lots of floats and doing the, their, their parade and they have a, a Santa, Father Christmas at the end of every every parade every year. And it's the Thanksgiving parade. So this always throws me off because we don't do Thanksgiving over here because it's very much a, a, a US-based holiday. And um, they have a big parade on the day and that's what we're watching. It's, I guess it's kind of Father Christmas, Santa Claus arriving for the holiday season and um the the we meet richard attenborough who is you know introduces himself as chris kringle father christmas and he's basically coaching 
the Coles Santa Claus, how to how to use the whip um, on on the sleigh and how to ride the sleigh, and he catches him drinking and he's not happy about it, and then it it goes into like a whole thing there where he basically takes the alcohol off the Santa tells him he's like a symbol for the children and he shouldn't be drinking on one on the job and two in front of the kids and there's cameras around and he pours his alcohol out and this warrants a whole um basically issue with police getting involved and then we we meet Mrs Walker Mrs Walker um basically um is like the curator for like special projects for for Coles and she's the one that sets up the parade and everything and yeah it all becomes a bit of a kerfuffle and drunk Santa gets on his sleigh and he goes to uh, use the whip but the whip is attached to his foot he ends up pulling it up pulls himself over the sleigh drops it lands on him it's a whole mess and he gets fired on the spot and Chris Kringle who's walking away um, from the parade is then asked by Mrs Walker to be Cole's Santa Claus for for the season, um, which he accepts. But he's got some conditions. The conditions are he wears his own Santa suit. Um, and I think that's kind of it. Um, so that that's kind of setting the, the, the main scene. Have I missed anything out there? Perfect. So we're all good so far. And, and then we get to kind of the main crux of the story where he's, um, you know, in the store he's the santa for the store um uh, before that we meet mara wilson's character who's susan so mrs walker's daughter um who is um very close with brian bedford who's like a neighbor or lives on another floor in the same building and brian and sue and um sorry not susan dory who's the mum, have kind of got this on and off relationship it's a little bit nebulous. We don't really know whether they're a couple or not, or whether they have been a couple or not. Um, but there's definitely a connection there. There's definitely a bit of romance. But Mrs. Walker's been been burnt before. You know, she's been she's been down that road, uh, and she's been disappointed. <laughs> You're giggling. Explain the giggling. They. <laughs> Well, firstly, you said nebulous, and that just threw me off. I was like, <laughs> wonderful word choice. And then you said she's been burnt before, and I just instantly went, oh, my God, she had syphilis. <laughs> like, and she still she- has. Because <laughs> <laughs> that shit's for life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, what a way to bring the episode down. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, it is a little bit vague to begin with what their relationship is Mm. and she's quite strict with her daughter in the way that she's to address him it's mr beckford bedford yes and then when (laughs) that's what she's saying stop calling him beckford call him mr bedford get it right not david it's richard attenborough (laughs) mara focus on set stop dressing like the joker at conventions (laughs) So I was going to say, is this an appropriate time to say, for anyone that's a first-time listener, Dom and I went to Comic-Con in Liverpool, when? In November, and mm-hmm. to see Chad Michael Murray, sorry, to interview Chad Michael Murray, which we successfully did. You can find it on our podcast feed. But two tables down, there was Mara Wilson in her adult form. She, obviously, <laughs> that is her, her current form. She's not been able to rejuvenate yet as a child, but... She was there dressed in an all-purple suit, and Dom decided that she had dressed a little bit villainous as a famous 
Batman arch nemesis. Yeah, she did. She did like from the original Batman, like she was Adam West's Joker. Right. Um, that's what she was wearing. And it was the fact that she was in a silky purple suit with a black stripe down the, the, the kind of like seam down, like down the arms. Like and, an Adidas one stripe. Yeah, and the legs as well. Um, it was all it was all very odd. And I saw a picture of her from a previous day when we weren't there, and she was in a similar, basically the same thing, but a slightly different color. So okay. she's she's just, she went as a comic book villain. So there you go. But I think <laughs> she, <laughs> I think she's had a lot of success as a writer as an adult, and I think she it was either. Maybe it wasn't a book. It might have been a book or it might have been an article. But she's quite open about her experiences as a as a child actor and how that, you know, went on to inform the transition into into adult life because she retired as a child actor. But it has to be up there as one of the most renowned child actors of the nineties. I mean, she's up there with Macaulay Culkin. I mean, she's not as... She's not at his level. I mean, Macaulay Culkin has is, is literally got to be the most famous child actor of all time, right? Yeah. Oh, but, yeah, it must be, yeah. But she's up there, you mm. know, like, and, and particularly in that era. She was almost like a female Macaulay Culkin in that she can... She had the talent, has the talent, to uh, be a protagonist in a movie, I mean, you can argue she's obviously not the protagonist in this, but, you know, things like Matilda and, you know, other movies that she was in, she's got something sort of special about her. And obviously her speech is very unique as well. She has mm. a unique sounding voice that's very sort of cute and draws you in. And she's got like a, a soft way of talking, but she also is like, it's great casting between her and, uh, the actress that plays her mum, which is, remind me of her name, sorry. Um, it's Elizabeth Perkins. Right. It's, it's great casting, especially because Elizabeth Perkins is coming across as very sort of well-to-do and put together as well. And so you would imagine that her daughter would, would be similar. I mean, you have to be, you have to watch this and be impressed by Mara Wilson's performance right yeah definitely and uh like she's described as um kind of like a small girl talks like she's you know 65 or something like that and i, I made a joke that that's kind of not the girl bit but it's kind of like me i, I talk like an old man sometimes but she has yeah. a lot of dialogue you said she's not like the the main protagonist but she's a t central figure and central character yeah. to to this whole thing you know um uh, her interactions with um brian and her mom and, and chris gringle and stuff is all really important and she is really like the a lot of the time the central focus you know um and she kind of saves the day in, in a way as well uh, which we'll get to um, when we get to like the the third act of the film but as, as a as an actor yeah definitely I, I think she has written books i know that um i know that her mom died when she was very young as well um, as well, so from from an early age, she she sort of didn't have a mum, but I think sort of carried on acting, um, and then made that choice to, to to kind of stop as well. It'd be interesting to to read more about that um, and find out why. But yeah, uh, I mean, you you can't think of Matilda without thinking of her, can you? Really? 
Um, because, no. you know, even though Danny DeVito is in that film, you don't really think of Danny DeVito, you think of her immediately. And um, because it, it was about her, she was the central figure. And I wonder how much, you know, of the new Matilda stuff that's coming out, there's the new musical, obviously, that was on at the West End for a long time. And um, there, there's a new film of the musical that's just come out. It's got Emma Thompson in it and a smattering of others. But uh, I wonder how much, you know, involvement, if anything, she has in that, or if that's, you know, helped boost the previous Matilda film you know and mm. obviously she, she's she got to work with a lot of great actors herself you know with you know Robin Williams being one of them as well you know yeah. think, think about Go that and, and having that experience Mrs Doubtfire is I mean it's on the shelf it's one of my favourites of all time like we have to cover it mm-hmm. um, at some point I, I'm enjoying doing these movie podcast episodes so much that i really just kind of want to keep going (laughs) doing as many as we can but one in four one in four so okay immediately i mean i guess the whole question of the film is is richard attenborough santa claus yeah and and this like as we kind of lead on towards like the middle of the film this this is where that question is raised even more because he believes he is he has his own suit but the whole point is is that Susan you know played by Mara Wilson and her mother don't believe in Santa Claus and um you know but Brian Bedford Bedford does who's Dylan McDermott, who basically, you know, tries to create that world of kind of that that magical sense that, you know, Father Christmas will will come and give you a present. You know, he was going to get a present from from Santa Claus. And she's like, well, I know I get my presents from my my mother. My mother's, you've been straight and honest with me um, this whole time and and she won't lie to me um, because that's, she's been hurt by a lie in the past. And that's kind of brought up. So Mm. she doesn't want to do that to me. Um, so it, it always sort of begs begs the question, you know. Brian then tries to, oh, you get a free candy cane and you get this, that, and the other, and but, you know, her being the the grown up six year old that she is, she says, I'm trying to limit my intake of sugar, you know. And there's all these things that she she has an immediate response, you know. She's a very clever young young lady. Um, but yeah, as we head into the middle of the film, we have um, Chris Kringle, who is you know adamant that he is the the real Santa Claus. He is Father Christmas. He will deliver presents on Christmas Eve to all the kids in the world. Um, and there's people that are basically denying that and saying that that isn't true. And there's others that that, that think it is, that say it is true and that, that, that they believe in him. And what I was trying to really get my head around on when, I, when we watched it, um, when we watched along and I watched it again um, a couple of days later, was... We never really get a resolution as to whether he is or isn't. There's there's no, there's no resolution. We kind of have to make our own assessment um, as as to as to what we believe or, or like how we, you know, think it ended up. Basically, is he just someone that believes it and will go around stating that he is, or is that there that magical element that he he really is? And it's kind of we can talk about a bit more about it at the end of the film because there's there's things that happen that make you think oh maybe well he maybe he definitely is then but 
yeah, what, what were your kind of thoughts and feelings by, by this point of the film? You know, he's sending people to other stores because he knows what every shop has every toy and how much it is and how much it's going to cost. And they use this as a great like marketing campaign and a great way of making money and, and kind of securing their stores. Like if we don't have it, we'll find the place that does have it. And, and like what a great yeah. opportunity to, to pull people in and people love it as a service and think it's great. And, you know, he's obviously you know doing them a, a wonderful service at a, a very low rate so yeah what are you thinking by this point of the film well he's basically being google before google existed yeah. right he's <laughs> he knows all the prices and where to get everything from i i mean i think to go to, to that question of do we think he's santa claus or not is holding a mirror up to the audience and saying Everyone in the film is questioning, is he Santa, is he not? And the deeper question is, can you believe in something that is magical or not necessarily, you know, scientifically proven? And we'll get to some of, you know, those uh, parts that are brought up in, in like the third act of the movie. But essentially it's saying, are you a believer or not? And can mm. you believe in magical things or not? And so I think it's left with if you can believe in these things then you'll think yes he's santa claus and that's wonderful and if you don't believe in these things you'll think no he's uh, an elderly man that lives in a care home that spends his days going around department stores and noting down what their price points are on various christmas gifts and so i think it's a bit more like a mirror to the audience of which one of these two people are you and which one do you want to be and hopefully it's instilling the magic of christmas and the wonderment that we hopefully can all have and that you can see through a child's eyes and that whole perspective of mara wilson's character transforming from a non-believer into a believer me personally at this point i just i was enjoying the to quote you from earlier the whimsy of the uh you know is the way that he he's so nonchalantly santa claus you know like they'll ask him a question he'll be like well no you know this happens like this because of this and you know yes this is my own suit you know and yes gold buttons and gold thread and this is this is my actual beard of course it is and you know the conf is confidence and i love it I, I i really was enjoying it and i always feel with movies from this era and this part of the 90s like that sort of early to mid 90s like literally a movie made between like 93 and 97 those like four years just so perfect to me like i like watching a film like this that i don't even have nostalgia for feels nostalgic because of the style of filmmaking like so i just instantly love it and i assume that you feel the same right yeah they 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 kind of hold a special place don't they and you've got this really high regard for it now and, and you can really appreciate it more and funny enough like i think everything that you said was like marvelous as well by the way but um when I watched this film for this time round, this is the first time I've questioned his authenticity as Santa Claus. Because you're I've not always, a believer anymore. No, but because I've always just believed he is. Like, like from mm. from being a child to to I guess now, I've always just gone, yeah, he's the real Santa Claus, and they're just trying to prove that he is. 
or at least like get him free so that he can go and crack on and do Father Christmas things. You know, he he can go and <laughs> deliver his toys and stuff and go to the North Pole and all that jazz. I've never, ever, ever once considered that he isn't and that it doesn't matter that he isn't because, you know, mm-hmm. it's about believing in that figure and believing in something nice for that season and that he represents, you know, something and it, it says more about the, the, the legal system and the justice system that... Um, you know that he it doesn't matter whether he is or isn't it's about his belief and it's about you know how the system views him and should he be in a home because you know he's a danger and actually he's not a danger to society or anyone else or he's not a danger to himself therefore he can go on and believe that he is santa claus you know let, let him what's the what's the issue and and this is like so we're we're in that kind of center point of the of the film of um where they try to discredit him as much as possible because at Shopper, Shoppers Express they want some bad press now they really want um, something bad to happen so that Coles goes under and they can buy him out and and it's kind of smooth sailing for them so um, uh, the the Victor Lambert I think is his name the, the, the guy at the head of Shoppers Express sends out his two goons uh, um, Jack Duff played by Dexter's dad and, uh, and Alberta to go and basically cause some sort of havoc and they get Santa Claus arrested and they basically frame him for hitting the guy that he replaced with his cane. He gets put into an institution. He then feels like he's let millions down because, you know, he's a figure and a symbol of all the things that are right and good about the world. And he's gone and done something wrong, something that he shouldn't have done, even though he was pushed to a point of basically being called like a, like child molester, basically. Basically, crazy. It's, it's sad, it was isn't crazy. It? In this film, it was crazy. When yeah. I heard them say that, I was like, "Yeah, hit him. Go yeah, on. Fuck yeah, yeah, go do for it. it." And and then that's like, it. that's crazy. It's crazy. And and it's uh, a it's a really good point that there's like a cameraman appears and the the guy had no injuries and that's all kind of brought up and explained. But because he felt like he'd done something so wrong and so bad that he didn't want to pass the tests that would have got him out of the institution that he was being held in. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he felt like he deserved the punishment when of clearly he was he was set up. But then it it then allows the film to go into this wonderful court courtroom drama which I, <laughs> I don't know why. I guess courtroom scenes in movies that are family friendly are a little bit more rare mm. in terms of if you've got a courtroom scene, it's usually in the 90s. I mean, you've got things like um, Time to Kill is obviously incredibly serious. Or, um, okay, My Cousin Vinny, I guess, is is a comedy, but is that movie is actually hailed for getting the legal um, logistics and how it all flows actually really accurate. Mm-hmm. but a movie like this to have it in it kind of reminds me of like big daddy in a way you know like when at the end of big daddy which was in like what 99 all of adam sandler's friends are up on the stand saying how much of a good dad he is and, and all those kind of things it kind of reminds me of a bit of like that but i love the whole premise that well to prove that he is santa claus is almost as difficult as to prove that he's not Santa Claus. Like mm. it's not, it's difficult either way. Yeah. And I, I, that's kind of like the lawyers, um, 
like aim, isn't it? Is that he he says there's absolutely no way in a court of law I can prove you are Santa Claus, but um, he he's kind of got like the other guy sitting over in the other table. Um, the the prosecutor has got basically things in his armor that can say you aren't, but he'll go too far. He'll go kind of crazy with it, and it will make him look stupid, and it will push him to the point. I mean, it's again you've hit the nail on the head with the whole family courtroom scene because our first witness is a five-year-old boy you know we we get the yellow pages slapped down good old-fashioned yellow pages because it's thick and you know chunky book he sits on the yellow pages and he says my name is daniel lowry and and they they interview him and it's like you know what did you get for christmas daniel and he's like i got a bike and i got this and i got that and it's like okay great and you know have you seen santa claus yeah and like where is he or is it cold you know how do you know he's santa claus he's got elves and so on and so on well, how do you know that guy can't be Santa Claus? Santa don't got a grumpy face, you know? And then it's like a funny <laughs> little thing. The judge is laughing and it's like all these kind of sweet moments, you know, which is, which you're not going to get in a, like a real drama <laughs> about it, you know, something that's a 15 plus and you sort of think, oh, oh Lord, this is getting serious, you know? Exactly. The only thing that that was shocking about that scene was that the fact that that little kid had like Michael Madsen's voice. Yeah, right? yeah. He needed a swift. <laughs> yeah, the boy had gravel for for vocal cords. Yeah. You know. But yeah, and then it gets sort of all over the place and reindeers coming in the court. And but I like how it was showing outside of the court the all of the people rallying behind behind it even to the point that you know the the evil uh duo yeah are also you know revealed that they've got you know badges and pins on in support of being a believer and then the breakthrough is mr bedford seeing the in god we trust on the uh is on the dollar bill or is that on all bills i think it's on american bills all american bills yeah (laughs) right and then the fact that well the whole american law system all all of the systems right are are, uh sort of governed within religion of god and how can you prove that god exists in a court of law it's kind of it's the same principle right mm. yeah i mean it's exactly that it's if if our if the if not our treasury if the if the u.s treasury can print on all their money in god we trust then the government is accepting that there is an element of um faith put into their you know into into all their systems right i guess yeah uh, like a spirit there's a spiritual and and they go into that don't they saying that saint nicholas was you know a like a, a recognized saint isn't it yeah yeah so you have kind of all the, the explanation of that um beforehand um because that, that's when you have the bishop and you even have someone who's like from the air force who's you, you know um explored the north pole and never found anything and that's when we get you know they're invisible they they exist in the dream world and it's kind of again funny enough thinking about it i think all of these things do sound like kind of like the crazy thing like you'd never see them because they're in the dream world and i exist in in that world and this world and again watching it i i I now only really realize that i've got to make that assessment as to whether he's believes it and he's a bit crazy or whether he really is and but because i always just thought it just is Santa Claus and that's just that's the rules isn't it you're not going to see it because it's 
is in a fantasy world that he can exist in. And yes, the reindeer will only fly on Christmas Eve. And yet, but all these elements that I've never, ever, ever questioned before, I question so much on this time round. <laughs> you know, I'm still very much a, a believer. I would have had the I am a believe badge and all that, but it would have been a, okay, let's just let the crazy guy go and believe he's Santa Claus over there, you know, but he's, as long as he's not hurting anyone, he's fine. Um, but yeah, that would be a great so prop to get you if we was able to get that from eBay <laughs> or something like an actual screen worn badge that says I'm a believer. That'd be dope. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'd have that. It's another one to add to the desk. I'll look for that. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be something out there, I'm sure. <laughs> Definitely. And then, so yeah, so how does the court case tell us about how it wraps up? Well, the court case, it's exactly that moment that, um, uh, Brian Bedford sees the uh, In God We Trust element on the note and this is where he thinks, okay, I'm going to bring Susan in. Susan has, has sort of stood up a, a couple of times and shouted out in court in defence of, of Chris Kringle to say that he's he's nice, he never hurt anybody uh, and it's all nonsense You're like, why we're there? And it's kind of like actually, yeah why, why are we here? This child is making sense this guy's not really done anything wrong other than defend himself and the person wasn't even hurt um, and it was like quite clearly a setup, and he was like framed. Um, but Susan is gives the judge a card. She walks all the way up. The judge kind of looks over, takes the card, opens the card, and it says, "You know, Happy Christmas, Love Susan, or whatever from Susan." And he looks at the note and sees that it's circled in God We Trust. And that's when he changes his decision. So he he picks up whatever paper he's got where he's written his 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 decision um, as to you know how the case is going to progress from here um and, and what the uh, basically what the outcome of of the the trial is going to be oh it wasn't a trial because there wasn't a jury but basically a you know the outcome of the of the case and he throws it away which to me again says and again never really considered it it kind of says that he was going to side with the the, the kind of non-believers and that this person is a danger and we can't have him going around saying he's Father Christmas and Santa Claus and you know Père Noël and Chris Kringle and all that. He's he's there's got to be something wrong with him. And then actually, you know, this proves a point that actually the government puts their faith in God that it, you can't prove exists or doesn't. Um, but you know, it's an element of faith and it's a faith that a majority of that country believe in. So. Um, why can't we believe in kind of Chris Kringle? And it, it kind of evolves from there. And he says, that's kind of it then, like case dismissed. This is, I'm going to say that he can carry on believing um, he is who he wants to, to, to be. Yeah. And I guess in the background, we also, we had a proposal here as well um, <laughs> that, that didn't go the right way, but ends up, in a, a what I guess we can only call a shotgun wedding and a reveal of a house that they'd always wanted furnished. Yes. Would you like to would you like to delve into the depths of that? So Brian is very uh head over heels uh for uh Dory. Well I think I think that's safe to say. He really like he really likes her, wants to be more than just the the guy that you know, lives next door or downstairs or whatever. He wants to be part of their life and, and, and actually in a deeper, meaningful relationship. And for whatever reason, 
he thought proposing was the the right thing to do because again we don't really understand their relationship i think maybe they were together and now they're she's not comfortable with that because she doesn't want susan to be confused so yeah that's just kind of the vibe you get and that's the feeling she wants to be independent the father left you know and never heard from him since and so on and so forth so she has a distrust of men basically understandable men are stupid um and she yeah um it he, he proposes it's kind of blows up in his face um and he basically says I, I i love you i love susan as if she's my own i'd do anything for both of you and she's like i've not given you any kind of impression that i want to be married again kind of go away then we have the whole court case he's proved that he can be who he wants to be he has santa claus uh and then to convince susan and dory it his like job as santa claus is to kind of give them something that nobody else could give them and he manages to orchestrate um basically getting them a house from a picture that susan gives him uh and she says if if you're really santa claus you could get me a house uh, and a dad uh, and that that's what i want for christmas um and yeah so they both get sent a card each and it says meet at this church after midnight mass uh so they go they get to the church they see the priest or or, or you know whatever you want to call him and he's like yeah are you ready like ready for what it's like to get married and they're kind of press ganged into getting married aren't they he's like once you're th- once you're down the aisle once you're there it's might a as well. bit hard to just turn around and walk out isn't it so i'm like okay yeah fuck it just let's just do it f and i so as we're re-watching the office again um nice we're okay, well, you some... just started again yes i'm gonna start again too <laughs> didn't was, take much convincing I was, did it? I was gonna wait for the new year but i'll i'll wait for the new year i'll wait for the new year is it oh. staying on netflix apparently okay okay well it doesn't matter for you now you've got the box set um but the the episode last night is where dwight is pretend he's he's married angela without her knowing and they've got like the reverend speaking in german he's just explaining you know the pre-sessions and this this and this really it's it's like it was like that though they just yeah. suddenly got there and they just married uh but what i will say mr bedford i like to refer to him as this mm-hmm. coat his coat is wonderful like he dresses very well like he dresses how i wish i could dress in my head and i guess technically if i wanted to dress like this i could but I just, I seem to just wear hoodies and Lululemons. I mean, I don't, <laughs> it seems to be what calls me, you know. Do you enjoy wearing a suit? Could you wear a Mr. Bedford suit? Um, I could wear it. I, I don't, I wouldn't, no, I, I would like to be comfortable. I don't think it's that comfortable wearing all that, is it? No. So, I, I, again, hoodies and, you know, tracksuit bombs, that's... That's where it's at, isn't it? It's 2022, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I work from home. <laughs> I don't, I don't have right. to dress up. I used to have to wear a shirt and tie every day for work, you know, before. Now I can wear a t-shirt and shorts if I wanted, you know. Did you used to iron your shirts? Yeah. 
It's the worst. When's the last the time you used an iron? Two and a half years ago, two years ago. I think that the iron. Do you have an iron there? No, 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 no. The no. iron at your parents' house. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I bet that iron would be more effective at football than the irons, <laughs> as in the West Ham irons, who are playing like um, I don't know what is it, just a, a pile of trash. Yes, dog literally. shit. I think is the way of describing it. Yeah. Awful. <laughs> yes. Well, okay, and then that's that's basically the end, right? They have, like, the perfect Christmas house. Well, they're sent to the house. They they think they're going for a photo shoot, but th- by this point, Susan is convinced that Chris Kringle is Father Christmas, and um, she's like, we're going to this house because, you know, I asked for a house and a dad for Christmas, and this is, this is why we're going, and... Um, Dory's like, no, no, we're going for a photo shoot on Christmas Day and hasn't quite put two and two together. And they get there and they realise their names are on the, the post box. Um, and uh, yeah, Mr. Shellhammer, Chin Chin, gives them the keys and says, you've got your Christmas bonus. This is this is yours. This is, you know, this is your house now. Enjoy. And like, did you get married? And so on and so forth. And then we find out Chris Kringle's overseas. And there's all these elements, there's all these little bits where I think that have always made me think, oh, he is the real santa claus because you know he's suddenly overseas and you know it might be that he's fleeing the country now um yeah <laughs> out um, on bail yeah exactly now that we now that we think about it um but yeah but he also knew mr collins who was the the prosecutor he also knew about his aerial his tv antennae on his roof, said so mm-hmm. I ripped my pants on it last year. Um, which <laughs> Good impression. Thank you. All right, you skipped through the chin chin bit. For anyone that doesn't know, I think we mentioned it on the watch along. But yeah. can you can you tell the relevance of that line and story for the podcast, please? Yes. So years ago, I was round at Simon's house for a sleepover. We must have been. 11 10 yeah ish around there and simon had like a breakfast bar uh that we would sit at nice little stools that that were there and i was one side and simon was the other side and we were chatting do you remember you used to do the uh, what can i get you mate and that sort of thing we used to play like silly game and simon would get me breakfast and it was usually high in sugar uh and and high in e-numbers and stuff which would make us go a bit crazy for the rest of the day and i remember Simon um, being on the other side of this breakfast bar. I think you were on the non-kitchen side, I'm pretty sure. And I was on the kitchen side and you were taking a massive gulp of Dr. Pepper. I mean, like mouthful of it. And I went chin chin. And as (laughs) as I said that, you burst with laughter and everything all the contents of that dr pepper that you had in your mouth was then up a cupboard like, there was a cupboard like in, like above us above the breakfast yeah. bar and it was absolutely covered in dr pepper and you were crying your little eyes out with laughter because you thought it's hilarious and i said to you for the first time i think ever that, that i got the chin chin from this film mr Shellhammer says it at the end of this film I never knew. I never knew. And it actually became like our catchphrase for like a good few years there. We would say it all the time because, and it's not often in life, which is sad, isn't it? But we've had 
a good a good amount of them on this podcast over our two year history. In when you get that real like belly laugh joy, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like almost like lightheaded, a bit delirious because it's something <laughs> so funny. And that was just like a moment like that when we were young, where it's, you, d- you can't even explain why it's funny. It was just hilarious. So that's, yeah, that is a memory that I always cherish. And we actually, you actually told that story on our first ever recording, uh, which we didn't release, which was the Goodfellas episode. Um, so yeah, it's funny that now 200 and like, 10 episodes later there we go yeah there we go good memories and it was full circle it's a full circle moment exactly (laughs) exactly that and um yeah pays it off doesn't it now you know now you know where the chin chin comes from chin chin perfect (laughs) chin chin it's perfect well okay so is that pretty much wrap it well hang on you did the intro you have you do the transitions well just just roughly at the end uh before we move into that is they um they asked susan what else she asked for um and she says oh yes a baby brother and they have that classic moment of looking at each other looking down looking up again looking at the kind of the camera direction which is a nice nice moment a good way to end the film yeah and then what we didn't hear after after you know that scene faded out is like I thought you said you was on the pill. I used protection. <laughs> Did it break? What? <laughs> she's like, I told you the pull out. I told you the pull out. <laughs> oh, God. Is it mine? <laughs> Is it show hammers? Did he chin chin you? <laughs> oh, God. This happened to me about seven years ago. Shut your mouth, Susan. I told you to go upstairs. <laughs> oh, dear. I think oh, we just God. ruined a childhood classic. You know Cardi B. Are you familiar with Cardi B? I'm familiar with her existence. <laughs> She's like, I make that pull-out game weak. <laughs> gosh. Oh gosh. <laughs> I won't continue into the next line. You know the song WAP. You familiar with WAP? Oh yes, I am familiar. I'm f- familiar again that it exists, but uh, I couldn't tell you a line from it. Not like you, just you watched, could. You just seen the video on mute, huh? I've never seen the video either. Well, there's a gift. <laughs> there's something to do later. <laughs> you sick bastard. <laughs> chin chin. <laughs> she got chin chin. <laughs> God. So, if you. like listening to this podcast and how could you not please please it's been a while I'm not going to say what Simon says I'm going to say it's been a while since we had a rating so please rate review subscribe uh, that's what we want which is this nice little five stars what do we want Simon five stars and the lovely words lovely words about us and about how you enjoyed it and how it entertained you for a bit if it did if you've got this far then i if you've listened to an hour of this and hated it then i mean i don't why (laughs) (laughs) yeah just stop (laughs) stop because we don't want to 
bring any negativity to the world, just positivity. But we would like to see that positivity reciprocated. Because if we do, in all seriousness, if people hit the five stars, all that happens is that it gets into more rotation so more people can listen. And we just love the idea of opening up the conversation to more people to be involved. So, yeah, please, it would be wonderful. I tell you what, to anyone listening to this podcast... If you give us a rating and put some words to the rating, um, like great podcast, really enjoyed it, whatever, whatever you want to write, that's fine. If you give us a five star and write a small blurb, but as part of that blurb, write, I would really love it if they covered dot, 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 dot. You can choose what we cover next. Wow. There you go. I like that. So we'll let them have that choice, but it has to be as part of a rating. So, yeah, yeah, I I would really love it if they covered dot, 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 your choice. We'll do it. We'll cover it. It doesn't matter where it's from. Yeah, and we see all the ratings, like they come through on like a Mm -hmm. thing. So, yeah, do that. That would be great. I mean, first review should be, please review the music video for what? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody will. I think Chuck. <laughs> me, it'll be me. You, yes. Chuck's the, the kind that will throw us under the bus like that. <laughs> I'm sure I could. We could. E- I could easily talk for an hour about that video. No problem. Okay, I'll watch it and see what why you think you could do that. <laughs> okay, right. So let's move into judgments. You ready for judgment, Simon? Yeah. Nice. Okay. So. Um... <laughs> performer I've, I I know don't worry I've got the list of the order that we do every time somewhere so Simon who was your favourite performer of this film I'm going to have to go with Richard Attenborough hmm, good choice I mean, he is literally the... And people were saying it on the watch long in, in the chat and everything. He is the best movie Santa that I've ever seen. Like, he is so good. And you feel like he is Santa Claus. And you feel like if you met him, that he would be the best, most authentic feeling Santa Claus. So I've got to go with him. What about you? Nice. Great choice. Um, I... I'm going to give a massive shout out to Mara Wilson. I think Mara Wilson is fantastic, but I do think my favourite performer was also Richard Attenborough. Uh, He is just the perfect Santa Claus, exactly like you said, uh, and I don't think I can add to that. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for your comments because I believe in them too. Uh, Let let me ask you the next one first then, just so you can get the... Just so you can get the answer, because I don't want to, I don't want to steal the answers from you. What? Who? Who's your favourite character of the movie? I'm, I, I'm going to have to go for, for Chris Kringle again. It's, it's, it's difficult not, like, it. it you, you can't ignore Susan, who's Mara Wilson, but I, I just think him. I think Richard Attenborough's Chris Kringle is. Just perfect. Exactly like you said. What a great character. Sweet, kind, genuine, funny. Um, 
and just works well off all the others, bounces off all the others, does compassion extremely well, um, empathy, um, everything. He's got everything. It's the full full package. What about you? Favourite character? The same answer. This is also <laughs> why I wanted you to be able to go first on that one. Yeah, same, for all the reasons that you said. And, uh, yeah, he kind of... I mean, this is not long after Jurassic Park, right? Like, I mean, I, I'm not checking IMDb, but I'd imagine he probably went from Jurassic Park to this. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there's such different roles. Uh, and, I mean, we've covered Jurassic Park. If anyone's interested, please, you know, scroll back through the, the podcast feed. But I think that's one of our most listened to episodes, actually, like non-One Tree Hill episodes. Rightly but so. The, rightly so, yeah. Well, he... It's so good in that, and it's such... It's actually so much more of a nuanced role than you kind of remember sometimes. The the character and his performance is so layered in that. But it's also layered in this in a different way and shows his his range. And, uh, yeah. May he rest in peace. Well, what, what, a, what an amazing performer. And he directed Gandhi, didn't he? Uh, yeah, I think so. And I... You know, yeah, wow. Is it, have you ever seen The Great Escape? No. He's he's in The Great Escape. Obviously, it's it's, it's an old film, but he's very young. In the, well, I say he's very young. He's quite young in The Great Escape, and he's fantastic in that. And he always get. Can I spoil something for you? Ever likely to watch yeah. it? No. So they're in a prisoner of war camp in Germany, um, and they basically dig tunnels to get out. And it's a true story, so it's all based on a true story. And um, they they dig these tunnels to get out. And it takes them a long time, but eventually they've dug them enough to, to be able to escape from the camp and loads of them get out. And um, they're, they're kind of him and, and another person are, they're, they're in Germany going around uh, or maybe Austria or somewhere trying to blend in. So they're, they're like pretending to be German people. They've got fake papers and stuff like that. And as they're about to get on a coach, like a bus to go to like, out of the country to, an, to the next city to just, just get further away. These German soldiers that are checking papers, one of them goes, oh, good luck. And he turns and goes, oh, thank you. Rather than going, like, thank you, or something like that. And they get arrested and they get caught. And, it, and that's, the, that's the point where they get captured. And, they, yeah, and it's, it's such a heartbreaking moment. Every time I see that film, I'm like, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. And he says it every time. He says, oh, thank you. And it's like, no, because he's just so British and he's so polite. And, but so they'd broken out and then that happened and they got yeah. captured again. Yeah. And did they did they did they die in the yeah. And it's a true story. Yeah. I mean there's there's a, there's a lot of elements in the film that are um what's the word? Made up like, basically. Dra- dramatized. Dramatized, dramatized, yeah. So man, it's uh, I mean it, and I mean you've uh, shared with me or recommended you know a lot of uh, war stuff uh, or Band of Brothers namely like I watched that when we covered um, Saving Private Ryan to sort mm-hmm. of you know sort of ties in in a way doesn't it and uh, it's just all so sad yeah. like yeah. as in all of it is so um, what's the word it's 
not like unnecessary well yes unnecessary um well necessary because you know people were fighting for liberation and freedom and, and whatever but i just mean like so tragic un tragic yeah that any of mm. it happened in the first place i mean obviously ne- yeah, never like, ever ever watch the pacific is it super tragic oh my god so tragic it's it's basically so you've got band of brothers then you've got the same people that made the pacific and then you've got the same people making a, a new one that's coming out on apple tv um next year um and uh, oh, just when you watch band of brothers there's characters that you start with and you finish with and obviously there's ones that you like that unfortunately, you know, die along the way. Uh, and they're real people. They're, they're all playing real people. And, and you see some of the, the real people in Banner Brothers. If you watch the Pacific, don't don't get used to any of them, is what I say. It's just... what What's the Pacific covering? It's it's still the Second World War, but it's it's fighting in the Pacific. So Japanese yeah, islands yeah. and stuff like that. Um uh, and particularly, right, right, right. particularly Iwo Jima, I think, but it's just brutal, so brutal. And and you 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 meet a character and they're gone. And you meet another one, they're gone. And you meet another one, they're gone. It's just continuous. It's like conveyor belt. It's crazy. But it's crazy. But it's good. But it's but it's good. It's good viewing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really it's a, it's a great, really well put together program. Um, but it's just hard. it's based on a book by um uh Robert Lecky, who is in it okay uh, what what is that on what is that on is it on uh, apple uh, i'll find it i don't know i can lend it to you i've got it on dvd if you want okay if you want to brave it, it. well i really enjoyed band of brothers like it was hard watching um, yeah. and i was watching it like before bed and oh, like i was yeah. watching it in bed with headphones while i was like asleep and it's like yeah this is, is this is rough uh, watching episode nine you can't watch when you've had a bad day that's the concentration camp one that's horrible it's so real. God. so real yeah 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 and like Crazy. the famine you people yeah people yeah yeah yeah. that's horrible mm. well that took a dark turn for miracle on 34th street uh, <laughs> who's your favorite background performer <laughs> one line or motherfucking less um <laughs> great question i i've i've got some that might help inspire you if you please so near the beginning when we have um the drunk santa uh who's being a bit of a nuisance when he's getting back on the sleigh and his trousers fall down and he exposes himself a little bit there's some kids (laughs) that are like right there at at that bit of the parade and they scream and there's one that screams like particularly loud um so i've picked that girl for for how loud she screamed okay yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, I'll happily, I'll happily take that kid. Yeah. Go for the same one. Cool, nice. Well, there were a few. There's a few kids there, so we'll go with all those kids. Did you have okay. a favorite line from the film? My favorite line was just because you made a point of talking about it and emphasizing it on the watch along, where like is it like an an orderly or like sort of a security guy or a guy that worked in the where they're holding Chris Kringle during the trial and he's like he's no tug he's no how tug how did you say <laughs> yeah he ain't no tug <laughs> yeah so that's gotta be and the thing is is my life is fug life so I I just appreciate that there you yeah. go 
Absolutely. Ask my sister. What was yours? Um, uh, there's so many. There's so many that stand out to me from this film. Uh, I can pretty much quote it, you know, word for word, like most of it. Um, but I think I'll go with... Um, I, I'd like to see Mr. Kringle make this reindeer fly. And he goes, oh, I can't make him fly. He only flies on Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah, he only <laughs> is... flies on Christmas Eve. And yeah. then everybody laughs. It's a fantastic moment. I really like, like, because Santa don't got a grumpy face from the five-year-old kid. And uh, another line I really like is, um, Mr. Collins, would you like to cross-examine your wife when <laughs> when his wife is called to the stand? So, yeah, there's, there's great ones. But I'll go with the, the, he only flies on Christmas Eve. I think it's a, yeah. it's a good That's line. Fair. And he does it in his perfect cadence as well. He only flies on Christmas Eve. Like yeah. it's the Yeah. It's like great. what a stupid thing to ask, don't you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And well, what was your favourite song of the film? Uh, I I went for it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas by Dion Warwick. That's a that's a great one. There's a lot of Christmas songs in this, obviously like you've got Santa Claus is coming to town. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Joy to the world. Joy, that joy uh, to the world is pretty good actually because it's Aretha Franklin. It's a good version. So I do also like. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Nice. Do you know what I discovered the other day? That talking about Christmas songs. You know how I have a well. Should we call it magical singing voice? Majestic. It's glorious. Would be how I would describe it. Well, I've actually found, you know, sometimes as a vocalist, you can just find a song that perfectly matches your pitch and tone. Okay. And I think I found it, and it's, it's a Christmas song. I'm not yeah. sure if it's, like, international. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's, like, internationally known or if it's more just, like, a British thing. Um, I think you'll know as soon as I start. Shall I, shall I proceed? Please. <clears throat> I'm walking in the air I'm walking through the moonlit sky <laughs> So good Doesn't that? Let me get that again Walking through the moonlit sky <laughs> So good Ali Jones will be in awe of how good that is I just felt it and I did it and... so good you've got better if anything as well you didn't need and... to but you just did <laughs> just decided to yeah I'm wondering if you can do anything in that sort of uh, you know I'm trying to think of WAP now that's a wet ass pussy <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking through the moonlit sky. <laughs> oh dear. Nice. <laughs> Shall we do our ratings? Yes, I think so. Let's do our ratings. So we do a, 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 an objective and subjective rating. Uh, and we'll start off with your good self. Would you want to do objective first? Sure. I mean, object... Well, um... Yeah, objectively, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was really good. 
uh, it felt nostalgic even though i didn't have nostalgia for it which is great so i'd give it like a solid and as like talking about it as a christmas film i'd give it like a solid nine like a nine out of ten nice that's a good that's a good number yeah and then as subjective it didn't really mean that that much to me because i didn't have that connection um but i I still always i held it in high regard as like oh i know this is like a christmas classic so i'd probably give it like an eight out of ten um but objectively yeah easily a nine and what about you um objectively i think it's a it's a great christmas film it's a classic one um the acting's great you know even the performances from the kids in it um not just you know Mara Wilson, the other kids that that sort of appear in it throughout. Um, the comedy in it, the the timing, everything, everything about it is is really really good. And I, I'm going to give it a nine as well. I think it's a great Christmas film. One I will watch every year and have watched every year. You know, will continue to do so. Uh, what was that subjective, objective? So from a subjective was, yeah. point of yeah. view, uh, for me, it, it it's a ten. I can't give it anything other than a 10 uh i I love the film uh um i'm really glad that we got the chance to to watch it as a watch along and to to podcast about it uh and to kind of talk about um i suppose my history and and growing up with it as well i I love this film so it's always a 10 for me yeah yeah it's great and thank you for sharing it with us you know and sharing your experience with it and yeah, it's really enjoyable. And it's it's like a shame that we're coming to the end of our Christmas podcast. So like last year we did Home Alone, the Home Alone series and Die Hard. And this year, The Family Man and Miracle on 34th Street. And they've honestly, all four of them have been some of my favorite ever podcast episodes that we've done. So I really look forward to next year and whatever two we're going to cover then. And uh, yeah, if people have suggestions, like Dom said um about you know what you'd like us to cover then you know reach out and we're down to cover most things we we like the 90s we like the 90s but we're happy to you know go out of that as well but you know that's kind of our sweet spot but yeah it was an honor and a, a pleasure as always my man definitely um thank you so much for joining me it's been good fun and yeah I hope everybody listening's enjoyed it too should we go out and ravens on three how do we how do we want to do the ravens well, I think you're going to have to do it in, you know, Mara Wilson's voice. That's that's obvious. That's a given. Okay. <laughs> I'll do my best. My very, very best. Mr. Bedford. <laughs> are, are you ready for Ravens on three? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that sounds creepy because she's a little girl. <laughs> yes, I am. I am. Uh, one, two... Three. 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 Three.